This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And first up this hour, uh, if you will permit me again a little bit of drama, um, how much are you willing to sacrifice to be the best at your job? Um, I'm going to start off by telling the story of what spawned uh, this idea or this question today. And then I think we can talk a little bit about where that story led us, right? So if we start at the, the story itself... Yesterday, uh, Noma, a three Michelin star restaurant in Copenhagen, widely regarded as the best restaurant in the world, announced that they will be closing their doors for regular service at the end of 2024. Now, um, I'm not really exaggerating Noma's, I think, status in, in the world of food. They were named the world's best restaurant for a record-breaking fifth time in 2022. Um, this, by the way, disqualifies them from future lists. They've been regarded as a restaurant that kind of changed the world of fine dining or changed the lens and approach of it. So, you know, kind of a big deal, essentially. And therefore, I think the reason why um, its co-owner uh, and renowned chef have, why René Redzepi, the reason he gave for closing down the restaurant for regular service, I think is an interesting one because uh, he essentially said that the modern fine dining model is not sustainable financially and emotionally, um, that operating at this level simply was not something that, that he could continue doing or continue doing to the people in his employ. Uh, it's worth saying also that issues with employee compensation and treatment have emerged uh, at Noma as well as other equally high-ranking restaurants. So I think the Noma case study, as it were, is perhaps useful to extend across industries that require this kind of, um, a lot of things, right? Grueling hours, uh, a high degree of training and Perfectionism. Uh, yeah, perfectionism, uh, uh, a cult of personality, having a, a boss or a, a leader who's viewed as somebody to emulate, uh, competitive. So there's so many, uh, so many things about this. It's not just about working in a restaurant, but can actually apply to many jobs, um, you know, in the, in the workplace. And this decision for the, this decision to basically say this model isn't working, this model needs to be fixed before it can be sustainable is an interesting one because it also comes, as you said, um, on the uh, wake of very um, some very pointed criticism being leveled at the treatment of Noma's workers. Uh, but this isn't by any means something that only Noma has faced because issues of uh, people having to work grueling hours, people being paid poorly or even not at all in the case of interns, um, this was highlighted in this case with Noma. But on the other side of things, what Red Zeppi has, says, has, has said is that the math of putting out this level of quality, uh, operating um, in a restaurant uh, and, and uh, with the price of produce and uh, what the market expectation is, that the math of compensating 100 people fairly isn't really possible. He himself in the past has talked about bullying his staff verbally and physically. Um, again, something that's often viewed as a part and parcel of a high-pressured environment and industry. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing to look at in terms of not just the restaurant industry and the fine dining industry, but what it means in terms of workplaces and how to keep careers like these sustainable. So when we say careers like these, right, we I think it's important to 
talk uh, or rather to draw examples from other times that we've had this conversation about workplace. Um, some people would call it hazing. Other people would call it training, right? Um, in terms of workplaces that demand a lot from newcomers, where you are expected to go through this very tough onboarding phase where the idea of getting better usually involves uh, getting berated or long hours or, you know, kind of just working extremely hard. And this is something that we've heard about in the medical in industry. It's something we hear about in the media industry, in the legal industry, um, in, in almost any instance in which we've had a group in the last year or so coming out to say, we're not happy with this treatment anymore. Uh, you've also had this issue of very long-standing um, practices being put in place to quote-unquote make people the best. And I, for me personally, that's what I find most interesting about this. Because when I was growing up and thinking about, you know, working or, or being good at things, I have to say that I don't know why exactly. Maybe it's just through um, the stuff I read. Maybe it's um, the people I was speaking to. But for a very long time, I definitely held this belief that in order to become really good at something, you did have to go through a very, very tough training process. And that is just maybe part and parcel of, of what this is. And so to then hear somebody who is at the top of their game uh, say, you know what? That may be true, but I'm not happy doing that anymore. I'm not happy kind of um, making this part and parcel of the work culture. It's an interesting question, this idea of sacrifice or this idea of hard training. And I think it's particularly relevant because all of those professions you mentioned, whether it's being a doctor or a lawyer, or in this case, a chef, also is associated with following your dreams, right? And I think sometimes this idea of a passionate career, do it, do something because you love it and you always wanted to do it, can get quite wrapped up in, well, then you should be willing to give up everything. And that shouldn't always be the case. And I think that often gets used um, and, and younger people entering the industry get manipulated exactly because of that expectation. So we want to know, um, you know, we're using... Noma, uh, the closing of Noma, which is a, a, you know, kind of very atas, very famous fine dining restaurant in Copenhagen. Um, we're using that conversation to talk about the idea of sacrifice for your workplace, sacrifice for your ambition. And uh, we would love to hear, how do you think about balancing your ambition with your life or with a long-term sustainable career? What sacrifices have you been willing to make for your job? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Andrew Pereira, CEO of General Assembly Malaysia. Uh, so keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.15 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we are starting off our show today by talking about trying to find the balance between being ambitious, wanting to be the best at something, um, and I guess wanting a good life. And this is coming as Noma, a three Michelin star restaurant in Copenhagen, has said that they'll be closing their doors for regular service at the end of next year. Um, the reason being that the modern fine dining model is just not sustainable financially and crucially 
emotionally. So we are extending that to talk about other types of jobs, other professions, and asking you, how do you think about balancing your ambition with your life? Um, what sacrifices have you been willing to make for your job? Do you believe that a tough training ground is is what's needed to be the best? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now, we have Andrew Pereira, CEO of General Assembly Malaysia. Andrew, always a pleasure to have you with us. Likewise. So, um, we've been saying this, Noma, touted as the world's best restaurant, has announced that they'll be shutting down their regular service, um, with the co-owner, Rene Redzepi, saying that this model of working was unsustainable at the highest level, although this is also coming after Noma and many other um, similarly top-rated restaurants face scrutiny over their treatment of workers. Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Uh, my initial reaction was disappointment that I didn't get to try it. Um, but once I was <laughs> over that, um, I mean, it's unsurprising, right? If you think about it, uh, elite performance, performance at the highest levels, uh, regardless of whether it's in a restaurant or on a football pitch or fashion runway, corporate boardroom, doesn't matter what field you're in, uh, elite performance comes at a cost. And that cost is often human uh, uh, in nature. Uh, and anyone who's ever played sports uh, and played sports even remotely well knows that what it takes for you to uh, play a sport very well, it requires you to be thoughtful about what you're eating, be thoughtful about the amount of time uh, uh, you're, you're sleeping. It, it requires you to practice a lot. It requires you to outcompete a whole bunch of other people. And if you extend that to being you know, the best restaurant in the world or the best company in the world, et cetera, uh, you start to see how sustaining performance at the highest levels uh, requires uh, quite a bit of investment. And it's difficult to sustain for extended periods of time. Uh, and the cost is often uh, you know, stress, anxiety, and you know, single-mindedness that comes at the expense of lots of other things. So what's the significance of an established industry leader actually taking this bold and drastic shift away from a model that has actually brought them success and prestige? Yeah, so I, I completely agree that Noma has enjoyed a lot of prestige. I mean, three Michelin stars uh, being uh, one of the world's top restaurants, top 50 restaurants uh, on the top 50 list five times, uh, uh, which is the maximum you're allowed to. However, I, you know, on the success point, I, I question that. Success is relative to how you measure it, right? So they've definitely been prestigious, but success uh, looks very different if you're looking uh, you know, commercial measures, for instance, are important to you. Arguably, McDonald's is a more successful restaurant or restaurant chain than uh, than Noma is by that measure. Um, it, it's different if you measure it based on the number of people who get to enjoy your food and the amount of joy you create as a result of that. Uh, it's different based on whether your organization's people thriving is something that you consider to be important to your success. Um, what I think is significant is that uh, they shifted their business model based on a shifting in their definition of success. Um, and I think uh, more businesses actually need to be doing that, revisiting what they consider to be success uh, and shifting their business model to adapt to uh, those shifting measures of success. Uh, so I, before we get to the more, I think, granular questions about exactly what you were talking about, shifting definitions of success um, and even rethinking models of, of payment um, to do with rethinking the business model, I, I wanted to go back to what you started the show with, the, the comparison, for example, to elite sports or to anything being done at an elite level and uh, ask, so... 
I think that we're at a point where we're kind of uh, at the the knife's edge of being old fashioned and newfangled in terms of how we think about training or how we think about you know what it means to to push people to be better. And I'm wondering what you're hearing or what your personal take is on this. You know, do you need is is tough training just part and parcel of being good in a competitive industry or are we moving away from that permanently? You know, are we, are we done with the old way of doing things? I think it's a, it's a great question and it lies at the heart of uh, a lot of questions related to sort of people and talent these days, actually. Um, you know, on the one hand, uh, you know, you have folks who say, look, you've got to sacrifice it a little. Um, uh, you, know, I, you know, these are the quote unquote old school uh, you have to sacrifice a little to get anywhere in life. And then you have another group of people, quote unquote, new school, um, who believe that it is possible for you to achieve sustainability, uh, career growth, um, you know, and, and a decent income uh, uh, all at once. Right. And and I think that's the uh, in a lot of ways, that's the the struggle a lot of organizations and, and, and people in the workforce face right now. I uh, it's definitely something I'm hearing a lot of, uh, uh, Lynn. So you're. you're you hit the nail on the head there. I think the um, uh, the, the the reality is uh, that the truth lies somewhere in the middle uh, uh, between these two things, right? Um, it is certainly the case that uh, you have to make some sacrifices uh, to develop skills uh, to be the top of a particular field, etc. But I think it is often used as an excuse. Uh, uh, that, uh, you know, top performance requires you to uh, work terrible hours, uh, requires you to be treated poorly, uh, requires you um, to basically have no life. Uh, and uh, I think the, the reality is somewhere in the middle, right? Yes, it requires sacrifice, but uh, yeah, performance shouldn't come at all at any cost. So Noma co-owner uh, co at Zeppi, he said that the sort of long hours that are needed to produce the restaurant's cuisine, um, and then on top of that, the standards that need to be maintained, compensating employees fairly, uh, the rising cost of things in the market, that this is just not achievable anymore. Is this sort of uh, realization or tipping point something that's common within these sorts of competitive industries? Uh it is uh, it is certainly something you you hear a lot of. Um, so whether it's common or not, I, and in reality, I, I don't know the answer to that. But what I can say is that uh, it is very common for competitive industries to have unique value propositions for their employees, right? And what I mean by that is uh, they reward people differently from the average job. Uh, I used to live in New York. I had a lot of friends in the New York fashion uh, industry. And uh, there, uh, you would imagine that people are paid very well, but they're not um, because lots of people want to work in a creative industry where they get to wear designer clothes and uh, watch their designs on Beyonce uh, and, and go to these wonderful fashion events. And because of that, uh, they pay people. They don't pay people particularly uh, well, so they're rewarded in different ways, right? And contrast that with, say, uh, uh, in, uh, a career in finance or management consulting, uh, where you know people are paid very well, but you know they work eighty to hundred hour work weeks, um, uh, you know. But there is and there's lots of travel uh, involved in it, so the, the value propositions are very, very different. Um, so, uh, is it common? Yes, you hear that a lot. Uh, but I think you're rewarded in different ways uh, for working in these highly competitive fields. 
Right. But does that extend to interns? Because um, one of the revelations from the story were that, um, was that fine dining restaurants often don't pay their interns um, as the experience of working at said restaurant is deemed as invaluable, that it will open doors after this, um, even though, you know, the, the hours that we're talking about are the same as full-time work, 12 to 16 hours, uh, full, full-time work in a restaurant setting, I should say that, um, you know, 12 to 16 hours and so on. So um, what are your thoughts on this, this idea of the invaluable experience versus fair pay? I find that quite shocking, uh, completely honestly. I think I, I, I think I and a lot of other people, a lot of the employers I speak to, draw the line at um, uh, at not paying people a living wage, right? And and the, the example of having interns work entirely for free, um, you know, is quite uh, is quite shocking. Uh, and in the case of Noma, I think there were stories about. Uh, people doing internships, there are unpaid internships, people had to move from Asia all the way to Copenhagen, which is a notoriously expensive city, uh, to work. Uh, uh, and in one instance uh, that I read about, uh, work, uh, you know, for three months straight, uh, developing, uh, creating little beetles out of uh, parts of fruit, um, you know, and not developing any other skills uh, besides making beetles out of fruit, which, as you can guess, is not particularly transferable as a skill. So, um, you know, it, it's unfair, I think, for people to to work in environments like that uh, without being paid a, a living wage, especially if uh, those skills uh, you know, are not always transferable. So from the perspective of an employee then who's just joining an industry and particularly something they may be incredibly passionate about, how do they... How do they draw that line for themselves? Am I being mistreated? Am I being uh, given a fair ride? Or is this just the, the, the dues I have to pay? That's a fantastic question. And I think it's going to depend a lot on the specific circumstances that, that, people, uh, that people find themselves uh, in. I think it's often the case uh, that, uh, you know, whether it's passion or sustainability or your desire to be extremely good at something, um, you know, these are all things that people consider to be important, and it's all about priorities uh, uh, that people have. And those priorities change uh, at different points in in, in their life. I, rem- I recall my own experience. You know, I was quite happy to work crazy hours early on in my career, but as time has progressed and I've you know got a family now, uh, the priorities have shifted. You know, I'm not willing to uh, sacrifice uh, uh, sustainability, for instance. Um, so asking yourself, what are my priorities uh, at this point in my life? Um, and what am I willing to sacrifice uh, to get to those priorities is a question that people uh, should be asking themselves. I think the other point, uh, Shamila, which you, you kind of alluded to, um, around passion and motivation, right? Uh, it is it is kind of shocking, actually, how you can be so intrinsically motivated by something, but the moment you start working in an area, you lose all of that passion and that intrinsic motivation. It's a really interesting study done of professional uh, footballers that uh, the moment they started getting paid uh, to play football, they stopped playing football uh, in, in their free time uh, and for their own uh, and out of out of passion for it. So I think the the question you have to ask yourself as well is, yes, I might enjoy a particular thing, um, but am I also willing for it to become my profession uh, and potentially lose the the joy that I find in it uh, as a result of working in that field? 
It's also worth looking at this from a leadership perspective, right? Because Red Zeppi has also spoken about, um, you know, his mistreatment of staff, which he acknowledges, and how attempts to shift towards being a kinder employer haven't been completely successful. Uh, can you talk to us about the kind of cultivation that needs to happen in order to create better leaders, especially um, as we've been saying as well, in a culture like this, in which a cult of personality really is such a thing? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think to that point, it's worth dwelling a little bit on the point around why environments, highly competitive environments are less kind. Um, there's actually been a lot of research uh, uh, into this. So uh, some of your listeners might be familiar with Good Samaritan experiments. That's usually where uh, you plant someone who looks like they're in a lot of distress and you see whether or not people stop to help them out. Um, if you stress out the people who are walking past the people in need of help, and just little things, right? Even if you tell them, oh, you've only got two minutes across from this building to that building, um, or if you give them a little test, which is kind of stressful before they they, they, they walk past, um, they're far less likely to actually be kind uh, and help the person who needs help, uh, who's in distress. Uh, so if you're in an environment where, you know, deadlines are always tight, uh, people are, are stressed out, are constantly trying to be uh, on top of things, um, you are less likely to be kind, even if your natural inclination is to be kind uh, uh, to people. Uh, so there is something about those sort of environments that just results in less kindness. And yes, you can train people, you can, you can tell leaders, look, kindness is important, you should be treating people with empathy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think we, we tend to uh, overemphasize uh, uh, people's intrinsic abilities uh, uh, and, and and behaviors when they are when they are taught to do things versus um, how they behave when they find themselves in certain circumstances, right? And uh, high uh, high stress, high performance uh, uh, situations uh, often result in uh, less kindness, regardless of the best of intentions of the leaders. Andrew, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That was Andrew Pereira, CEO of General Assembly Malaysia, weighing in on this question of ambition versus, I guess, you know, having a long-term sustainable career and a good life. And th- we're talking about this because of NOMA closing and the reasons given for it. We'd like to hear from you. Um, how do you think about balancing your ambition with your life? Um, how do you feel about tough training being part and parcel of a job and sacrifice? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.